are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Today we are in part two of our four-part series called Fresh Air. Someone say, Fresh Air. Fresh Air. Here's some thoughts behind this series to maybe catch someone up who wasn't able to be with us last week for part one. Um, Here's some thoughts. Most of us in our natural state find ourselves living in survival mode. And probably many of us at some point find ourselves living in a lifeless, stagnant state with absolutely no wind in our sails. We're stuck. There's no movement, no air, no passion, no desire, no hope of even getting out of this place. But I believe inside every one of us, there is a longing for more, a longing to get unstuck, a longing to experience a breath of fresh air that will blow through every area of your life. And I believe that when this happens, it has the power and potential to change everything in your life. If it's going to change everything in your life, it's going to happen by an intentional choice. Someone say intentional. Intentional choice. And we find our reading from Deuteronomy chapter 30, 19, uh, kind of our theme text for this series. It says this, this day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you what? Life and death. Blessing and cursing. Now choose what? So that you and your children may live. You see, we all have this choice. Life, death. Blessing, cursing. Fresh air or the doldrums, right? If you want to get caught up and find out what the doldrums are, listen to last week's message. But it's this place uh, in, it's an area where uh, sailors and boaters would find themselves in this lifeless spot, this lifeless spot. And when they got in this spot out in the middle of the water, they could not move. There was no wind and eventually they would end up perishing. And many times we find ourselves in the doldrums. Uh, most of the time we find ourselves in this lifeless, stagnant spot because of the choices we make, right? It's easy to blame God and the devil and others, but sometimes we have to look in the mirror and say, this is because of the wrong choices that I made. And today I, I, I want to take a step forward. I want to talk about Um, another fresh air principle that I believe has the power to change our very lives. Last week, our fresh air principle was what? Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. I said, if I had one message to preach before I left this earth, that would be the message, last week's message. Check it out. Fall in love with Jesus, right? That's the reason we're here. That's the reason that you're sitting here and you're desiring more of God. And so today I want to talk to you about uh, another fresh air principle that I believe is one of the most important, and that's your attitude. That's your attitude. I didn't mean to creep up in your conversation on your way to church, but you had a bad attitude on the way to church, didn't you? 
Don't point, don't point to your husband or your wife. But I want to talk about your attitude because I believe that attitudes are at an all-time low in our society. Our world simply has a bad attitude towards others, towards people, towards government. We just got a stinking bad attitude. Our Facebook feed has a bad attitude. You need to tell your Facebook feed where to go. Because it has a bad attitude. If we're not careful, some of our churches have a bad attitude. Bad attitude. You say, is this really a sign of the end times? Absolutely. You may ask the question, are we in the end times? Let me answer. Yes! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Hmm? We are there. We find ourselves in the end times, and it's very clear. Jesus speaks of some of those signs in Matthew 24, 7, Mark 13, 8. Of course, we are familiar with these words. There will be wars and famines and persecutions and nations against nations and earthquakes. Jesus talks about these signs, and he says, when you see these signs, know that the end is near. The end is near. He says, that, 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 that there'll be division and hatred and, and, and racial tensions and children rising up against parents and political party against political party. Hello, we're there. We find ourselves right there in the end times. But, but, but I want to talk about another scripture. That's an important scripture to describe and define where we're at in our society, in our world. But Paul tells Timothy some thoughts about the end times. And in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, he says this, but mark this, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, mark this down, Timothy, Pastor Timothy here. He says, I, I need you to know there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And listen to this, ungrateful, unholy, without love or unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. Did you see this? Paul is describing to Timothy, hey, 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 mark this down. This could happen, Timothy, in your days. Just think, if Paul kind of had this feeling that they were in the last days back then, how much more should we be aware and sensitive that we are living in the last days? Now, this is not some doom and gloom message for you. Because in the end, church, we win. Because all we do is win, 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 no matter what. Got Jesus on our mind and we're not stopping. Don't make me come out with my second volume mixtape right now. All we do is win. In the end, we win. I don't care how dark it is right now, we win. Why? Because love always conquers all. Love always conquers all. We win. But, but, but it's very interesting. In the latter part of this scripture, he gives four things that are very important for us that I think describe maybe some things in our life as believers, as Christ followers. Maybe you're not a Christ follower, but you can say, I identify with these in my life. And there are four uns. Can you say four uns? They're ungrateful, un, 
unholy, unloving, and unforgiving. Before we can deal with our attitudes, we need to expose what they are first. We need to expose this. So number one, un is, we're ungrateful. We're ungrateful. As a society, as a people, we get so focused on what we want that we forget what we have. We're ungrateful. We're waiting for the next iPhone to come out because this one is a piece of junk now because we've had it for three and a half months. And it doesn't do everything. It doesn't make a hot pocket in the microwave like I want it to. It only controls my satellite TV, my AC, my alarm on my house, and a remote starter for my car. But I want it to make hot pockets, pizza preferably. We're ungrateful. We're ungrateful. See, see, the trap is this. The better off our society is getting, the more miserable we are. So we have the greatest technology in human history. And they're inventing new things for our life to be easier. We all want our life to be easier. And so technology makes our life easier. This phone makes our life easier. It made my life easier yesterday. I went, we went up to South Bend and, you know, uh, for my, my little nephew's birthday party. And, you know, Saturdays are my study days. And I simply studied from my phone on the way. Just looked at my messages all right here on my phone. It's on my iPad. It's on my phone. I didn't even need my iPad because it was all on my phone. It makes us easier. But, but we become ungrateful. Somewhere in the more there is less and somewhere in the less there is more. And let me submit to you that ungratefulness opens the door of comparison, jealousy, and envy. I'm going to hit all these real quick because i got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Yeah. Ungratefulness opens the door of comparison, jealousy, and envy. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses and be grateful for what God has given you. Stop trying. Ungratefulness opens the door of comparison. The greatest tool that the enemy uses for us to get in this spirit of comparison is social media. It's social media. Because we're seeing everybody's highlight reel. Seeing everybody's highlight moment. We're seeing everybody's highlight family picture. They don't show you the messed up pictures. They don't show you the family art. Who puts their family arguments on a video on Facebook? If they do, they crazy. Cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. We put all our highlight moments. And so we compare our behind-the-scenes footage, all our fights and our lack of resources and our marriage and our kids with someone else's highlight reel. And it messes us up. And we want to become Pinterest perfect because we want to display the perfect family. I hate to burst your bubble, but there is no perfect family. You ain't it, honey. This is end-time attitudes I'm talking about. The second end-time attitude is this, unholy. Unholy, we were making choices that are polluting our hearts due to the toxic decisions we are making our hearts have become polluted. You see, there is nothing worse than carrying around the shame of unrepented sin. I knew we'd get quiet on this. When we make these unholy choices, yes, it breaks the heart of God. Yes, his mercy is there for us. Yes, it impacts those closest to us. But most of all, it affects us with guilt, shame, and unworthiness. Unholy. 
We've not only become ungrateful, but we've become unholy in the end times. Hmm. We are making decisions that are polluting our hearts. And the Bible declares that everything flows from the abundance of your heart. The issues of life flow from our hearts, and the heart is a very important part for us to guard in our spiritual journey. This unholy attitude is only an attitude that Jesus can heal. Attitude number three in the end times we're seeing is unloving. Unloving. You see, real love is unconditional. That's the God kind of love. He doesn't put conditions on the love. He doesn't say, if you do this, then I'll love you. He loves you for you. But he loves you so much more that he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. That he's going to be with you on the journey, the spiritual journey that you're on. He's going to be with you when you fall one time and ten times and a hundred times and he's going to pick you up. Because that's the kind of love our God is. He is love. You see, unloving, it means you're unselfish or you're selfish and you're thinking of yourself and you're not thinking of others. We live in an age where people are unloving. There is a complete disregard for others. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? Have you flipped on the news? Some of this disregard is due to one's color of skin. Unloving, hatred, bigotry, racism. Let's call it what it is. We can't skirt around it. It's racism. It's sin. We don't have a skin issue. We have a sin issue. We have a sin issue. And, 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 and I need to give somebody a newsflash because there will not be a white section or a black section in heaven. My Bible says that all nations will come together and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My Bible says that God created us all equal. Hmm. This kind of hatred and bigotry and racism will only be conquered by one thing, and that's love. We can disagree on something without being violent, without slandering, and without having hatred. You may not agree with everything that I say up here, and that's okay. If everybody agreed, I would get worried. Just being honest. But that doesn't mean you have to slander me, hate me. Am I saying this is happening? No, I'm using an illustration. You all love your pastor. You love me. I know it. I feel the love. But if the thought came into your head (laughs) that I'm going to slander him because I don't agree with what he said, you need to cast that down. That's not from God. I can have a conversation with somebody. I have conversations all the time with people that I don't see eye to eye with. And that's okay. You know that's okay? I don't think you do. Like, it's okay to disagree Let's agree that we disagree on the topic. Let's move forward with the love of God. I can't camp out here, but our, our society has become unloving, a selfish world caring for only their needs. The disregard for human life, that, that we, would, we would murder 4,000 babies a day. A lady just recently came out. She worked for Planned Parenthood for 12 years. She just came out in the news in the last two weeks. She left the organization, and they were interviewing her on the news, and they were asking her what it was like, and she said, really, it was one big joke working for Planned Parenthood. She said, we treated it like a joke. We made jokes about the body parts that we would sell, and we'd put them in the freezer over here, and we would call that the nursery. 
And we would call that, we would call this section something else. And there was always joking in the office about these human lives, these body parts that they were selling, making millions and billions off of. Planned Parenthood. In case you don't know, you may need to educate yourself on them. Hmm? She said, they said, well, what about the forms of contraceptive? And what about, you know, they're, they're doing great things for these tests and what, mammograms and things like that. She said, it never goes on. It's all a lie. It's all a cover-up because we want you to think that we're doing those things to help women. But really, the only thing we're doing is taking 4,000 babies out of the womb, killing them, and selling their body parts for profit. Unloving. A disregard for human life. In times. We there. We there. These attitudes stop the fresh air of God in our lives. Fourth attitude is unforgiving. This is huge. It pollutes our hearts. We can carry the hurt and the pain, and it literally sucks the life and the air out of us. Can I tell somebody today that we have all been hurt? I'm not here to disregard or downplay your story because some stories are worse than others, but we have all been hurt. If I were to do an altar call right now and say, everybody who's been hurt, please come to the front, everybody, everyone would come up. There would be nobody sitting out there, and if they were sitting out there, we would send them to that room in the basement for liars. <laughs> you say, well, I'm forgiving, but I'm not forgetting. Really? I don't think that's true forgiveness. According to the Bible... And I'm pretty glad that Jesus didn't have that attitude towards me. Oh, I forgive you, Jacob, but when I see you, I'm going to see you as a sinner. Dirty old sinner. That's, I'm going to forgive you on the cross, but every time I see you, I'm going to remember what you did. I'm thankful he didn't have that attitude towards me. Here we are laying claim to the grace of God. Here we are, Jesus followers, and we're declaring he wiped my slate clean and he canceled the debt that had my name on it, on it, but we're not willing to extend that to others? We're not willing to extend the olive branch that was extended to us? Well, you don't understand what they did to me, and maybe I'll never understand what they did to you, but you don't understand what you did to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we have a society that says, hold it in. Don't let it out. Take it to the grave. You ever met somebody? I'm taking that to the grave. Yep. Well, you need to forget. I ain't ever forgiven what they did. It hurt too deep. Right? I'm taking that to the grave. And you see, you see, uh, our problem is not people. Our problem is the devil. Yeah, that, that's our problem. And he wants us to get to a point that destroys our hearts and pollutes our thinking. Probably, your problem is not people. Your problem is the enemy of your soul, the adversary that's after you. All these are end-time attitudes. They are conditions of how our hearts shouldn't be. If we're going to receive the fresh air that God has for us, we got to examine these end-time attitudes and we got to search our hearts because it starts with our hearts. What are some things maybe that are in your life that are unforgiving and unholy and unthankful and unloving? I know as I was prepping, there was some uns that came up in my heart. There was some uns that I had to deal with, right? And am still, still dealing with, truth be told. 
And we all have to deal with those uns that try to creep up and steal the fresh air that God has for our life. And my job each week, every week I come in here, my job is to inject some fresh air into your heart. Into your heart. My job is to inject some faith into your heart. It is the faith that pleases God. It is we are on a faith journey. And when we we can believe in our heart that God can do it, we can believe his promises, then we can overcome. But it all has to do with our heart. It all has to do with our heart. So we have this choice, blessing, cursing, life, death, fresh air, or the doldrums. What's the choice going to be, church? Are you going to continue in this stagnant, lifeless spot that is not producing anything in your life, this winless relationship with Christ when there is so much more that God has for you? we got to deal with the end-time attitudes. Here's what John 10.10 says. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. What? The fresh air that God has for your life. But Jesus said, I've come that you may what? Have what? Life. Have fresh air. I've come that you may open the windows on that breezy day and receive the fresh air of my presence in your life. But the thief comes to steal that fresh air. And how, here's how he steals it. Here's how he steals it with these end time attitudes. Unholy, unloving, unthankful, right? Here's how he robs us of the fresh air that God has for our life. So we've exposed the problems, right? We've exposed these four end-time attitudes. Now let's find out how we can tap in to fresh air principle number two, and that's to have a Christ-like attitude. Fresh air principle number two. We need to learn to have a Christ-like attitude. Is this all right today? Okay. Y'all good? You're the only service that gets the message today. Second service is baptism. Fresh air principle number two. We need to learn to have a Christ-like attitude in our lives. We need to get rid of this sickness. We need to get rid of the attitudes, these end time attitudes, and we need to put some good medicine into our heart. I love Proverbs 17, 22. It says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And then Nehemiah said this, that the joy of the Lord can be your strength. The joy can be your strength. The joy can help you through difficulties. Not your joy, not, your, not, not because you got a new car. That's not joy, that's happiness. Happiness comes and goes, it fleets, but the joy of the Lord can be eternal. See, all you, we look at Hollywood, we look at people who have a lot of money, we say, man, they got the joy. No, they don't. They got happiness and it's fleeting from day to day. Come on, they got that happy feeling of the new car smell that you had before there were two pounds of french fries down the seat. You don't have that happiness anymore. But there can be a joy of the fresh air of a Christ-like attitude can consume our lives. And I want to give you four solutions to a fresh air attitude. And let me, let me just state this before I move forward. It's more up to us than we realize. It's more up to us. You see, see, see most of us think we are in the condition we are in because we can't help it. Because we can't control it. And we can't change it. But we can, and it's up to us to change. It's up to you, sir. It's up to you, man. It's up to you, young person, to change. 
Don't blame it on God. Don't blame it on the devil. Don't blame it on your spouse or your kids. It's up to you. So, at some point in your Christian walk, you've got to own some things. You've got to take ownership. And, and so he, he, here's the ownership I'm asking you to take to have a Christ-like attitude. And I'm going to get through these, I guess, in a few minutes because you guys are messing with my time. Come on now. Number one, we've got to make the choice every day. When you wake up in the morning, you make a choice. Do you know that? You make a choice every day. Am I going to have a good attitude or a bad attitude? Can I tell you your attitude will not take care of itself? No, you got to own it. You got to own it. Not from time to time, but every day. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you respond to what happens to you. How you respond to that coworker that you want to... You know who it is. Monday morning, you wake up and you think of them. Make the choice every day to walk in a different attitude towards that coworker, towards that boss. You see, your feelings will always lie to you. Don't cave in. Don't cave in. Make the choice. I am going to daily rid my heart of any and all pollution that tries to come in for me to have a bad attitude. You cannot always control what happens to you, but you can control to your response towards what happens to you. You can't always control what happens to you, but your response to what happens to you is your control. How are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond to her? How are you going to respond to him? How are you going to respond to your spouse, your kids? Well, they just set me off. Every morning they set me off. Every morning, seven days a week, ever since they've been born, I've had a bad attitude. Okay, if that's the case, there is counseling. (laughs) No, no, first thing we need to do in the morning is we need to give our attitude to God. If we're struggling with a bad attitude Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, we need to give that to God. We need to make the choice every day. Don't tell me someone's irritating you so bad that you can't control your attitude. When you are a believer and you have control over your emotions, some of you just letting your emotions control you. You're not controlling them. And then you're blaming other people because you're out of control. Number two, if we're going to have a Christ-like attitude, we need to develop a high appreciation for life. We need to see the glass half full. We need to be optimistic. I love scripture in 2 Corinthians 610, it says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. (laughs) Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Paul said, this is the attitude I'm going to have. I may not have a lot, but I got a lot. I may be sorrowful, but I'm going to find something to rejoice about. Come on. Find something in your life. Dear God, no one wants to be around you. You complain about everything. When it's hot, it's too hot. When it's cold, it's too cold. When it rains, it's raining. I don't have an umbrella. Come on. When you run out of cinnamon toast crunch, you complain. So do I. How's your attitude on life? Job Job was really tested in this. I don't know if you remember the story, but Job, Job had this sickness, this disease, and it caused boils to grow all over his body. He was about to the point of death, and Job had four friends. Someone say four friends. 
And Job had a wife. Someone say a wife. Be careful who you marry and be careful who your four friends are. It's the moral to the story. But here's what happened. He got into this position and he was in his bed and his wife come and, 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 and she said, My, man, you might as well just curse God and die. God don't care about you. God don't want you. Here you were serving God. He, don't, he, he ain't healed you yet. His friends told him the same thing. They sat around his bed and the Bible says they were silent for some days and they just looked at Job like, you're worthless. Your God ain't answering you. And they gave up on him. And they began to open their mouths and they began to speak doubt, fear, unbelief over Job, his four closest friends and his wife, his four closest friends and his wife caused him to have a low appreciation for life. Got him thinking in that bed, maybe God did give up on me. Maybe God's not real. Maybe God's not for me. But then all of a sudden, Job snapped out of it. And he began to think like Christ. And he began to have a Christ-like attitude. And, And he said, the Lord gave and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And he began to speak himself out of the hole that he was in. You know you can confess yourself out of the hole and the dungeon that you find yourself in. There is power in the confession of God's word. And you can grab a hold of one scripture, one half of a scripture. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed. And that can get down in your spirit and it can bring you out of that hole. And that's what Job did. And the Bible says that his latter days, his latter days, God said, I'm giving you double for your trouble. Come on, somebody. Somebody's about to get double for your trouble. God restored. God restored. And God is still restoring. God is still restoring when we develop a high appreciation for life. Hmm. Just be grateful, give thanks in all things, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says. Give thanks in all. It doesn't say give thanks for everything. Because there's some things that the enemy brings that I don't give thanks for. But it says give thanks in all things. Give thanks, not for all things, but in all things. That I can declare I can be next to hell and I can give thanks to God. My God is my redeemer. My redeemer lives. My redeemer heals. No matter what my four friends say, no matter what my crazy, psychotic wife says. Talking about Job, not my wife. Clarify, 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 clarify. I'm going home. She cooks. Yeah, clarify that. Be careful who the four are. I've seen more people in the last six months out of this church because of the four because of their relationships, who they let sow seeds of fear, doubt, who they let bring them out to an unholy attitude, an unthankful and unloving attitude, and drag them out of God's house. It's always the four, or it's always the spouse. Mark my word. Dad, we've been doing this a long time. It's always the four, or it's always the spouse that gets you out of the plan, purpose, and the house of God. Be careful who you let speak into your life. I'm over my time, but I'm feeling good right there. I really am in my camo. Can you see me? <laughs> Come on, let's, let's hit up the last one. The last two. Find something positive in everything. Keyword, find. <laughs> Some of you didn't get that. Keyword, find. Sometimes you got to look for it. Yeah, I know your husband. Find it. 
mine it out like a miner. It's somewhere in there, honey. There's good in every person and there's bad in every person. Find the good. Find it. Search for it in your kids. Well, they turn teenage years and they go. There's something good in them. Pull it out. Pull it out. Pull it out. Polish it up. Tell them what they are, not what they're doing. Oh, my God. I had a conversation with my kids the other day, and I was just telling them who they are in Christ. Truth be told, they all had bad attitudes. They had the uns coming up on them. The uns. Huh? I begin to speak something positive over their life. It's easy to find something positive when everything is going great. But when it's not, we have to find something positive. We have to find it. Come on, if we want to breathe the fresh air of God's presence, if we want to breathe it into our lives, we breathe it in and we exhale the fresh air for someone else. We exhale that fresh air for others. Sometimes that air that you exhale is the only thing they needed to get through their day, week, or month, or year. You don't realize what that compliment will do. You don't realize what that hug will do. You don't realize when you see something that they don't see in them and you pull it out and you tell them that's the fresh air that they needed to pull them out of the doldrums. Point number four, I got to move fast. After everything I've said, the truth is you're still going to have bad days. You're still going to have bad days. And what do you do? What do you need to do when all else fails? You need to turn everything over to God. Everything over to God. You need to turn it all over to God. Your problems, your marriage, that coworker, that child, that addiction, that struggle, huh? That tension that you feel. You need to that at that bad attitude. You need to turn it over to God. One of the reasons I found in my life that I go through seasons where I find myself just. I don't know, maybe unhappy or just don't have the joy like I had. I look and examine my life and I find it, it's in the seasons when I'm trying to do it by myself. I don't know if you can identify with that. When you try to handle life by yourself, it brings this tension inside of you. It brings this struggle. But then once I realize that, I begin to say, God, I need to give it to you. And I've struggled with this so much that my, my favorite scripture in Proverbs is Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. And I quote it every day, multiple times a day, because in my temperament, in my personality, I think I can work it all out. I don't know if any of you think that way. I'll, I'll take care of the problem. I can do it. I'll take care of it. I, I, I know how to make this thing work. And I can get so focused on what I can do that I forget what God can do. I forget that I need to give that to him. Can you identify? I forget that I, I, I need to trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him, and he will direct my path. He will. He will. So when I try to do things on my own, it frustrates me. When I try to handle everything, every situation, every problem, I need to learn to trust God. I need to learn to do what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Come on, guys. Cast all your anxiety 
On who? On your kids? On your spouse? On your coworkers? Because that's normally what we do. That's normally what we do as humans. That's normally what we do. We're going to give it to God. We're going to give it to God. We're going to give it to God. I tell my kids, they come and they're distraught and they're emotional about something that happened in school. We're going to, first thing we're going to do, honey, we're going to give it to God. Why? Because he cares for us. He knows what we're facing and he's going to help us. God's going to help you. God's going to help you when you give it to him. When you carry it, you're going to feel weighed down. You're going to feel the pressure. You're going to feel the anxiety, the stress of life. You weren't meant to carry it. That's why he said, give it to me. Give it to me. You don't have to carry the burden, the yoke any longer. Take upon my yoke. It's light. It's easy. What is that? What is he talking about? He said, take upon the fresh air of my presence. Have a Christ-like attitude. Have a Christ-like attitude. Turn everything over to God. Fresh air principle number one, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Fresh air principle number two, choose to have a Christ-like attitude. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.